Hi, good afternoon. This is Ian Thompson, the Nimal's Downsizing Specialist and the host of the podcast, Your Longest Life, How to Live Your Best Life to 100. Now, I'm always researching online, trying to find interesting guests. And today I'm super excited to welcome Kristen Reed Edens with me. Kristen, good morning. Good morning and thank you. I should say good afternoon. I know you're in St. Louis, aren't you? Yes, I am. And it is actually afternoon, but the way our days fly, it's hard to keep track. <laughs> it's COVID. We'll blame COVID. Everything seems all mixed up, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm just going to talk about, Kristen, your background here. You were encouraged by your dad to write about your dreams at age six. Well, how cool is that? That's pretty cool. And your writing expanded to include poetry, copywriting, editing, and blogging. A recovering goody-goody. A goody goody. I'm sure there's a story there you might tell us about. Kristen got her first <laughs> tattoo at age 49. There you go. <laughs> yes. Enjoys building a new life on her own terms. She writes for several outlets and her own blog at Grandparents in Business on family, health, retirement, money, and other issues for the sandwich generation. Mm-hmm. In her free time, she enjoys outdoors, gardening, cycling, quilting, etc. Welcome to the show today. Thank you very much. I am excited to be here because what you do in your podcast and what you discuss is so important. And when I went through the whole downsizing and caregiving uh, experience with my parents, none of what we're talking about existed. There was nobody talking about your topics. And so I had to wing it and make it up as I went. There was (laughs) There was a lot of cussing and crying, Ian. Oh, boy. Now, that's not even that long ago. Uh, Kristen, you mentioned 2009? Well, 2009 was when a whole lot of changes began. For me, I uh, quit my job because I was working as an exercise physiologist, and that economic uh, uh, recession was occurring. And I oh, knew boy. that okay. I was on the way there. The, 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 you got the whiff of it, you knew it. And I thought, all right, I'm just gonna, this was my mode or move to quit the exercise physiology job and move into writing. But at the same time, I divorced, I moved across the country and then, and then immediately my dad fell in his house Mm -hmm. and suffered a paralysis and traumatic brain injury, which initiated the whole caregiving experience. Now, this is not uh, this is not unusual, is it, that it's a crisis of some kind? I mean, I'm, you know, my wife and I might talk about downsizing. It's going to be great one day, one day, one day, boom. Right. And one day becomes right now. Right. Right. There is that vast difference. It either is, oh, my gosh, we got to do it now. Or like you and your wife are, you're going, someday we will. And you make little infinit- infinitesimal <laughs> motions yeah. towards that. But you don't have that bam, now what do we do? And then everything hits you at once. That's what happened with us. And this is also typical, I'm going to say, because your parents were not in the same town you were in. No, no. I was, it was a thousand mile round trip for me to get to where they are and to come back. So were you doing that like once a week or? (sighs) Well, as needed and it did easily become 
it started out as often as possible with me having my own business as a freelancer. I was able to go out and stay right. out there. So that was very convenient. But then I had my family here. And, and so that was the conflict. Yeah. But thank goodness for my freelancing and my own business. I was able to do that mm -hmm. and realize for my own sanity. And that's something that caregivers and those helping families downsize is you've got to keep your, your own sanity intact is I told my mom that I can come maybe every four, once a month or every four weeks or every six weeks because okay. otherwise I'm going to go batty. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that. I'm sure you have more to say about keeping yourself grounded <sighs> and not, not jumping into that same boat that's, you know, going off course over there. And it, 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 Yeah, there were a lot of boats attempting to go off course. And at the same time, my dad fell in his house and he's in intensive care for months and months and months. I'm building a business. I'm recovering from divorce. And I had just moved across the country. So all of that leads to a very, very uh, gray, wow. hair graying and wrinkle inducing <laughs> mental health issue and and so I had to come up with ways to take care of myself even though I had all these these darts I almost call them poisonous darts firing okay. at me I had to d deflect them in order to take care of myself first so that's that's the thing that a lot of people think, oh, I'll get to that, I'll get to that. But when you're a caregiver and you're suddenly thrust into caregiving for others while caregiving for yourself and working your own job, whether it's for another company that's hired you or as your yeah. own independent uh, business owner, that's just a lot to take on. And about that time at the other recession, is a lot of that was going on because suddenly nobody had the money. Parents are still aging. We're right. still getting ill. The only fallback, the only reliable source is family and, and who can take care of what. So were you doing like yoga and meditating? What kind of things were you actually? Well, well, I happen to also have a degree in exercise physiology. So oh. I, I do have a lot of exercise and wellness and nutrition yeah. background. So that was, that's always critical to me. So yes, I did yoga. I did, I, I focused, I found myself focusing more on hydration and drinking water and, and eating healthy and also exercise. That was one thing. I never gave up on is the exercise that that I, I tell people I, I, if you don't let me go exercise somebody's going to be murdered in their sleep <laughs> I love your sense of humor get me out there darn it where's my running shoes or this isn't going to end well oh absolutely absolutely <laughs> and and it, it just it became more important and and another big big thing I allowed myself is sleep and I said, if I'm going to bed at 10, let me go at bed to bed at 10. I don't care about movies. I don't care about friends. I don't care about, and let me get up when I have to. And there were times, Ian, I slept 11 to 12 hours. Well, you're just done. You're just, you're just like. You're just done. done. Just get me to bed. Yeah. Don't bother me. And, and it, it, it was very critical. And I found that if. Sleep was 
deprived of my exercise or just stepping away from the phone and the screens and all the paperwork involved with downsizing and caregiving, if I didn't step outside, I could feel it start to pick at me. I called them little vultures, those little vultures. And when you start with caregiving and when you start with the downsizing process, there are so many factors you're talking with uh, medical professionals and banking for professionals and attorneys and uh, uh, oh geez everybody that there's nothing simple about it one professional needs to at least get a piece of paper mm -hmm. from that professional and then it takes time and 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 phone trees are torture <laughs> I I I no kidding, Ian, I would be trying to take care of my mother's or my dad's stuff by phone because then I don't have to travel anywhere, which is a waste of time. There were times, my, my hold times were over an hour. Yeah, and that's hard to, uh, you know, if you're carrying on with your job, you're on hold, this is yeah. not, not to be taken lightly, something to think about when you're exactly and and then when you're you're working full time and then you're on hold for an hour and 17 minutes and here comes a client call oh yeah. oh what do i do what do i oh, do so yeah. yeah it's it's challenging now just a question before your dad took his fall did you ever have a discussion with them about downsizing and this is maybe something you should do or Yes, I did. And the ironic thing to that is about six months before my dad fell, I was visiting him. So my dad fell in December. And no, yeah, I was visiting in October because that's the month of my mother's birthday. So it was October. And I was visiting and mom was had probably already gone to bed. And dad was going up the stairs. And here's the kicker, Ian, is he was going up the stairs and fell. And I'm already, yeah, he was going up. Okay. He, he fell down the stairs. No, let me reverse that. I'm, I apologize. He was coming downstairs and slipped, just yeah. slipped the last and landed on his tail. But I looked at him because he and I had been talking about how mom goes up, there, up those stairs on her hands and feet, on hands and knees because she's so afraid of falling. So when dad fell those or slipped those last mm. two steps, I said, Dad, you know what? You and I were just talking about how we're afraid of mom falling down. You just slipped. So can we get a stair lift? And he chewed me out and lectured me and gave me a really massive chewing for implying that he was old. And he says, why are you speaking to us like this? We are not that old and decrepit. Mind your own damn business. Two months later, he fell down the stairs. I cried for about a week. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. But that's a hard thing to share. Jeez. So you Yeah, it still gets me choked up, but it does. It was a conversation that needed to be had. I introduced it and I didn't know quite how to pursue it. Yeah, where do you go from there? You bring it up. It's obviously not uh, not received the way you were hoping it was going to be. And then what? You just sort of don't talk about it anymore, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then dad, two months later, was going up the Jesus. stairs. I wasn't there. 
I got the call the following morning from mom and, and that was it. So from that, when I was researching online, you've written, you wrote the article, seven tips to simplify the process. Mm-hmm. So why don't we jump into some of those and I'll just, I'll just read one to you and you can sort of fill us in. Okay. First one was start with the goals, the goals of, of downsizing. You know, it's a huge undertaking. You talked about how much time do you need? Who's available to help? Things like that. Mm-hmm. That would be your first suggestion. It would be looking back now, now that, that unfortunately, I mean, it happens. Both my parents have died. Dad died in 2015. Mom died in 2019. And even the aftermath was great. And maybe we'll get to it. Maybe we'll not. But looking back, the goals are to talk with the parents. And, and even if, if you get a lot of anger and animosity and and that let them vent just let them vent but go all right but mom i've noticed this with you dad i've noticed this with you i know this blogger named chris who experienced the same thing and uh i don't want this to happen to you or to me so let's work together if you direct it as to the family as a whole rather than just saying dad I want you to da 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 da. Let's let's work as a team. What do you see happening? Can you do you want to stay here? Is is my my parents' house was three floors and twenty four hundred square feet and on two and a half acres, and yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Mom had didn't enjoy any of that, but Dad certainly didn't. All of a sudden, Dad's out of the picture. Maybe paint a scenario for him. What are you going to do if mom or dad suddenly becomes ill or suddenly gets uh, injured. What's the plan? And, and, it's, and, and I think like you and I were talking previously is that there's two ways downsizing can go. It's when you plan together with your spouse over a period of months or years or bam, all of a sudden you find yourself needing to downsize. It's a lot easier to plan and there's a lot of stress reduced and emergency reduced with that planning. With my parents, there was no planning. So, and there was a lot of avoidance and it just causes more problems when when you avoid. I didn't ask you, do you have siblings? Yes, I have two younger brothers. And so... Maybe that's a loaded question. I don't know if I want to go there, but what was that like now? There's, there's a whole dynamic there you haven't mentioned. And maybe oh, for that, reason, that is another <laughs> dynamic. And, and over the years, now the interesting thing, my brothers and I were, all three of us were adopted, different times, different families. So that was a whole different thing. And just as families go, I'm not saying that my family being adopted is more or less prone to this, but my brother's became angry at one another and wouldn't talk to each other and wouldn't have anything to do with the other. So, and, and then my, my middle brother became angry at mom when dad died. So he was still coping with dad's death and blamed it on mom and wouldn't do anything to help. And so that created a little friction. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to balance, okay, how can I get 
brother one to help with this situation and get brother two to help with this situation when none of them want to be near each other. So that created some, some stress and some complexity and see the gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> but you have your sense of humor. You see, I think, I think that's probably why, what got you through it. And a lot of chocolate. Oh, chocolate and sense of humor, those two things. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there's different levels of it. So, so the problem is, is, and then again, I'm 500 miles away. My, my middle brother was just a two hour drive, but because of that situation, he was, he was unwilling to help. Now I could go up to him and say, help me with these calls or whatever, but he wasn't, he just was not helpful and then my other brother lived in texas at the time and he was working and could not get off so uh, i was pretty much alone now the other thing is my dad's siblings and my mother's siblings were willing to help but even then without them being a poa or something critical and legally required they couldn't do much more other than listen to me cuss and cry, which was a tremendous help. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit more. Did you have a POA for your uh, parents? Yes, and and what was interesting is mom was dad's POA up until his death, and then she would not let me do anything with my father because it was none of my damn business. So I said, right. okay, but let me help. It's already obviously stressing you out. And, and so she would give me little tasks here and there and I would see what was missing and I would take care of things as, as they came along. Yep. So when dad died, I said, mom, you need a POA, let me do it. And, and she was very reluctant. She didn't want me getting into her business. She didn't want me knowing her health issues. She didn't want me knowing mm -hmm. her financial status. It was none of my business as her oldest child. And I said, but mom, are you gonna have your sister? Are you gonna have dad's sister? Who, who's gonna help you? you? You're gonna need this stuff. Look at how much I've been helping you the last six years. Mm -hmm. you're, you're going to need somebody. Do you want it to be me? Do you want it to be brother one? Do you want it to be brother two? And that's a part of the goal setting that you're talking about. You've got to get these things established and presented in such a way that they go, you know what, you're right. I don't want this to happen this way. And, and I a lot of things, Ian, that our parents are dealing with is is extreme privacy and a lot of them are recovering from all the loss and skim livings from the depression mm. and and the wars and and the privacy issues and growing up with don't talk about money don't talk about anything personal because anything like that is taboo and i had to break a lot of those those walls as soon as it came, it hit and it hit hard and suddenly. Mm -hmm. Now, the next thing, you know, one of the other things you wrote down in your article was who gets what? This is when we were talking about downsizing and everybody opens their garage. It's full of endless things from many, many years and schools and holidays and trips and stuff. 
How was that done? Or how did you navigate well, that? Yeah, that, that was, so when, uh, shortly after dad died, maybe about eight or a year to two years, a couple more of mom's friends died. And she would look at things and go, you know what, Kristen, this house is so big. I don't need half this crap. Help me. I said, great, great. I've been <laughs> waiting for her to say this because me saying it, oh, you're invading my space, Kristen, go away. And, but when she said it, I said, great. And, and I said, let's start here. Let's start in these unused rooms. Let's start with things you don't use anymore, that you don't need anymore. And the things that are no longer useful to a single independent woman mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. use those strong words because this is a critical time for our elders. They don't want to lose control. They don't want to lose their, their seniority. They also don't want to lose their status. And, and this is such a delicate time that we have to be aware of that or you're just going to keep hitting those, those blocks, those walls. So when mom said, I'm ready, let's do this. I, I've just been waiting for those words. So I started and, and she would sometimes go, okay, this and this and this, but it was, it, it still took another two years to get two it. years, two years. And, and, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a quick story for her. My mother, her hobby was genealogy, and so she shared paper, 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 and she made copies of everything. And then she shared. She saved. Oh, Ian, <laughs> she saved every telephone book from every family member and every place we have met or lived. And we moved ten times. And, and yeah. yeah, since 1972, what? I made the mistake of recycling them. Oh dear. She was taking a nap and I thought, oh, hot, hot damn. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> I threw them into a box, took them to recycling them, came back and <sighs> she went to make a phone call and noticed the telephone books were missing. <gasps> what did you do? Oh, 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 If I could have been grounded, I would have been grounded for eternity. But I, I told her I saved the cover of every one because it had those names and numbers. And yeah. well, it's, it's a very, very difficult process. And she, up until her death, she never forgave me for that. Oh boy. <laughs> but, but. So, so you want to help, but you have to be, what I'm hearing you say is you have to be cognizant to their feelings and, their fear. You know, and and their, fear. Thank you. That's a good word, isn't it? The, and, and their property. It, these are things collected over several decades. And my parents had been married 50 years. Right. So the, the, every, every piece has some sentimental value. And what it took was saying, mom, what do you need to move downsize? So we had a two-phase downsize. So she went through from the 2,400 square foot to uh, about a thousand foot yep. apartment and then yep. to a similar apartment just a couple miles down the road. What do you have to have? 
And so we started thinking, well, I don't like to clean. All right, we'll get rid of all the cleaning stuff. Well, I don't like to do any yard work. Okay, we'll get rid of all, you don't need dead stuff. But what I found what was helpful was she would say, well, maybe your brother would like this or maybe your neighbors would like this. Oh, I, then I caught on, I, I got this brilliant light bulb thinking, Ooh, okay, you know what, mom? All of dad's glass or all of dad's clothing would be great for Uncle Rick, for instance. So how about I make all, terrible, this is terrible of me. But she, as long as she knew a family member was getting it, I bundled it up and took it off to uh, yeah. Goodwill or, or a thrift shop or something. Never had to worry about that again. Hmm. So it, it, some of it is requires creatively finding ways to donate it. And, and another area that I found was helpful to convincing mom to let go of, of these things was um, women's shelters. She was rather mm -hmm. open to having women's shelters take this or talking to people at a historical society and saying, do you know anybody, nursing homes, for instance, that would like to have, oh, she had a baby grand piano. She wanted right. to take that. And, and I said, how about can, donating it? Or my brother actually suggested donating it to a nursing home. That was gone. So find, here's a good tip, is find those areas that are significant to your, your elder, your parent, your grandparent, or whatever, that is meaningful for them. If they've got to give up a treasure what is, so for my mother and her genealogy ties, the, the nursing home or a women's shelter seemed to be a good, a good place for her things. So get them on board. It's their idea. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be their idea. Right. Hmm. And uh, oftentimes it was difficult, I imagine, to try and sell anything. Did you find that people really didn't want to pay for the giant oak dining room suite or some variation of that? Very, very frequently. My, my dad and his hobby was a glass blower. And so they hmm. had several of those big, large... Uh, uh, Chinaware cabinet. Yep. yep. And we're thinking, oh, we, we got to be able to sell this. They paid big bucks for it. Yeah. $50. No. Oh my gosh. $50. If that, $25. If that. And, and just the hassle of trying to find somebody willing to pay that kind of money. All right. Just take it. Just take it. I think one of the display cabinets ended up going to another uh, nursing facility. Oh, actually, oh, okay. one one went to a church. One went to their, their church that they belong to. Mm -hmm. So find those meaningful places. And again, like you said, make them feel like it's their idea. So your mom eventually came around to, hey, this is a good idea, Kristen. Thank you for bringing this up. Let's, let's get going. Did she sort of get on board with you? It was always a bit of a... Always a bit of a back push. and, yeah. and push. Okay. I don't think she ever thanked me. Yeah, I'm sure she meant to. I'm sure she meant to. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Sure but but it's, it's, it's a lot to take a lot to take on so it's very difficult to and i i do not hold that against her it's mm -hmm. it's 
It was hard for all of us. Yeah. So you have some general advice to help parents downsize. I'm just going to go through these and, and we can chat about them. Okay. G gentle, steady pressure is best. Getting angry or demanding will cause harm, tension, and slow progress. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to keep on with, with the patients. And, and that's where the self-care comes in. Because if you're denying yourself time alone, me time, sleep, decent food, then your ability to maintain patience and understanding just fizzles, fizzles fast. And, and so without self-care, it's, it's going to slow things way down. You're just going to, it's going to splinter. I imagine setting a deadline doesn't help either. Okay, let's get this done by the end of March. We've got no, no. We've got right, because once dad was placed in the nursing home in late 2009, I said, I, I can remember mom coming home and just breaking down. What am I going to do with this huge place? It's, it's beyond I can handle. I said, all right, let's take this bit by bit. And let's start with what do we, what can we thin out first? What do you not need now? And, and so, and this is all based on that, as we talked earlier, there's two ways downsizing, yeah. can go, a nice slow plan or immediate, here we go. I'm basing this all on the immediate, here we go, emergency. That's all I know. So take it a bit at a time. What do you want to accomplish now? Well, Even the immediate, when you say, um... It was the immediate, your dad was in a crisis and you got started on the downsizing process. Let's say you started on April 1st. Was it six months before you were done? Was it, can you, did it take a year? That is a beautiful question, Ian. And at first when mom realized that and she approached me with that and I said, great, what's your plan? Well, I'm going to start with this, this, and this, and this. I said, okay, how much time do you think it'll be? I'll be out again in mid-May. And which I think is pretty accurate because my birthday is in May and I okay. going out there. But anyways, um, so I would call, she, we call, we spoke daily anyways. And I'd say not daily because that's starting to pressure and, and put the stress on her. But once a week, I'd say, how are you doing on this room or getting rid of or clearing out Again, be careful of the terminology used, or, mm -hmm. or thinning out the mm -hmm. paper from this, or or cleaning out this, or whatever, whatever. And well, I haven't made the progress I'd like, and and so after about three or four months of that, zero had been made, and so I had to take another approach. Okay, she can't do it on her own, or she won't do it on her own. How can I help? How can I nudge this? Well, do you want a family friend to come help? Well, that might be nice. And I'll be there. Okay, I could come out there. But then that other outside person made her very uncomfortable. And that's something I talked about in, in my articles is make sure that whoever you bring in to help assists in comforting your, your parent, your elder, whoever it is, rather than creates that, that another block. You just don't need any more blocks. You need somebody. And I found out my, my aunt even came because my aunt lives here. 
my aunt offered to come out. And for some mm. reason, that created a huge block. Oh, no. oh really? Oh. Well, there's so much... There's so much going on that we're not aware of emotionally in the background 30 years, 40 years, 50 years ago, what happened then? And I, I just never let go of it. We're all the same. Yes. Aren't we? We're all, there's always things back there that we're just not going to let go of. And then it comes back again. We're kind of poking it a bit, aren't we? Yes. Yes. Well, let's, let's use your, I know your listeners cannot see what I see, but let's look at the photos on your mm-hmm. shelf there. What if I said, Ian, you don't need those anymore. I'm going to grab them and take them out of here. What does that do to your insides? Yeah. It's going to make you go, I don't like you. Go away. And and it's going to make you possess those things even harder. That that umbilical cord becomes super tough and... and, and, it's it's a difficult approach and we all have those things we don't want to give get rid of so as we wrap up what would be what's the one big takeaway for you what's the one big one of your friends is in a crisis they phone you and say geez Kristen, what am i going to do what are you going to say what's the first thing you're going to say i'm going to say step outside and breathe just get get yourself away from anything that reminds you of what just happened or what's going on and and get in touch with yourself and find out what you can or cannot handle what you can't which you are willing to and willing not to handle so what can you handle what can't you handle and what are you willing to handle and then find solutions to all of those and know that you're going to re- you're going to receive a lot of resistance. That's excellent advice. So right away, the very first thing is to step back and think of yourself, even though you're initially going, gee, I want to jump in both feet, help mom or dad. Here we go. I'm all in. What, what, I, what you said is, let's just make sure that you're actually ready to do what you think you're ready. Maybe you're not. Maybe there's other things in your life that are going to prevent you from f- 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 fulfilling the goal that you have. Yes, yes. And it's going to be a massive goal. I I was a caregiver since 2009. My mother died in 2019. But then I became the executor of her. That's another whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. And and yeah, it, it was just it was just a mess. So caregiving does not quit upon a person's death. It there's a whole new level. Right. That's another whole podcast, isn't it? That's oh, it is. Thing. Oh, yes. That is another whole podcast. And I've got some do's and don'ts for that, too. So maybe we should. Okay, we will do part two, part two again. Well, yes. Kristen Edens, it's just been fantastic. And thank you very much. I know we've had a really good uh, show today. and I appreciate you coming on. Where can people get in touch with you? Tell me more about, you know, your sandwich generation work and the writing that you do. Well, I can easily be found at my website, which is kristenedens.com, and that's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-E-D-E-N-S.com, and I can be found on LinkedIn at Kristen Reed Edens, and that's R-E-E-D-E-D-E-N-S, and my website, or my blog called Managing Midlife is on kristenedens.com, and I can be easily found at both sites. Great. We have so many articles, excellent information. Thank you for joining me today and uh, have a great day. Okay. 
All right. So same to you, Ian, and all your wonderful listeners. Thank you okay. for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.